The message on today is how long will you falter between two opinions? Amen? How long will you falter between two opinions? Now, the last time that I was here, the Lord told me to tell you all to stop. To stop, to surrender, to trust, to obey, and to praise God. I hope that you have trusted that word and that you have yielded to that word and that you have stopped, that you have taken a pause out of life and that you have surrendered, trusted God, obeyed him, and had plenty of opportunities to praise. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. On today, when preparing the word asking God for guidance and direction of what does his people want. Not what Carlene wants, what does his people want? He said, today we're going to get a glimpse into the life of Elijah. Elijah the prophet. And we're going to get a glimpse within his life and extrapolate some key principles by which we can all live. Amen, amen, amen. The foundational amen. scriptures that we will use on today to undergird our message on today is found in 1 Kings 18 and it is found in 1 Kings 19. And remember those chapters, I invite you all to read them and allow God to speak directly to you through those chapters. But we're going to extrapolate the word on today between the two of those chapters. I'm going to point out some key verses that really blessed me. And, um, and I hope that they will bless you as well. So now let us turn to the word. In 1 Kings 18, um, the context of that particular passage to me, as the Lord has revealed, is Elijah. Elijah heard directly from the Lord and was given an assignment to tell King Ahab to destroy all of the altars and the practices of Baal. Now, Baal was a little G-O-D, and they worshiped the sun, the moon, the earth, the water. They worshiped any and everything um, as a means of getting their way. And so it, it should be noticed that at this time, it was well known that King Ahab's wife, Jezebel, massacred all of the prophets of the Lord to establish her kingdom. We're not going to talk about Jezebel on today. She's not the focus of our passage. But for contextual purposes, it is key that you know that there was simply, very similar to now, a time of turmoil and unrest. As there is turmoil and unrest, especially when new in administration comes and deliberately, deliberately kills those who decrees God's word and his efforts to establish God's kingdom. Isn't that similar to what's happening right now in our administration? Yes. So it was a time of unrest, civil unrest and turmoil and challenges. I can only imagine how Elijah must have felt when God chose him to go into the enemy's camp and declare 
an opposing view to the leadership and a message to the leadership. Although that message was not popular, it was intended to provide an opportunity for leadership to change course and to allow God's people to stop, remember, surrender, trust, obey, and praise. It was so amazing when I was thinking of this passage and I was thinking about our civil rights leader, John Lewis, and all of the times that people had to be in his presence and they said that while they didn't necessarily agree with him at all times, his word was a word of truth that balanced the white ring and the left wing. And so as I was thinking of this, and I was thinking oftentimes he had to go in the presence of leadership to balance the truth, amen? Amen. So sometimes, sometimes it's not popular Elijah, guided by the Lord, used his wisdom to contact Obadiah. Now, Obadiah is another really great chapter for you to read. I encourage you to read Obadiah. It's one of the ones, it's one chapter no one ever really goes to, but he has some good words and ducats in there to read. But Obadiah, he was a servant of God. And at the time when Jezebel went and she massacred all of the prophets, but 100 of them, because Obadiah, being a servant of the Lord, went and hid those prophets in a cave. So he hid 50 in one cave, he hid 50 in another cave. And what that tells me is, is don't put all your ducats in one. <laughs> it told me that if he hid, if he put 50 in one cave and 50 in another, that if someone found those 50, he still had more over. So isn't that kind of a tithe? Don't put your resources all in one ducket, but diversify. So he put 50 in one cave and 50 in another. And then it tells that he yeah, cared yeah. for them because he cared for them because he kept taking them bread and water. Man. Can you imagine if you were one of those prophets and you're in this cave when you were once out in the open declaring and decreeing the word of God and now you are relegated to a cave with like-minded people. I can imagine that that cave was a little bit dark. I could imagine that they kind of felt like God left them. I could imagine that as they were set aside, very similar to how we were during this period, that they questioned, is God real? And is he real for me? Ha! Those hundred prophets, they had 50 alongside of them, 49 alongside of them in one cave or another. But the provision of God was still there. How do we know that? Because Elijah, the servant, just like he would do for a raven, the servant came and he had enough wisdom to provide them bread and water. The scripture says that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So I'm thinking that in that cave, that even through the discouragement, even through the darkness, even through the fact that they had uncertainty, that they were praising, praying, because that what was, was in them. They received their nourishment, 
So just like in Matthew 6 and 33, they didn't worry about where their food was going to come from because it came at a designated time every day. And we know that it came at a designated time because with Obadiah being a servant of the king, he had specific rituals and things that he had to do. So he couldn't be going over to those caves all the time. So it had to be at a specific time. And we know that they received food and water from the king that was trying to kill them. So there is still a blessing from the one in leadership that is trying to kill us. God will provide and make their resources to bless us. Amen. 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 So he's not going to kill all your enemies because we need them so that they can bless us. Amen. (laughs) Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Stop. Pause and give praise to the Lord. Amen. 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 So he hid those prophets. He hid them. He put them in their, their houses. He put them in their rooms. He put them in a cave like he's done for us. But I want you to remember that 100 means completion. It means that it's a 10th because it has the number 10 girded within it. You get to 100 by 10 complete 10s. That's how you get to 100, amen? And so it was a complete number that God said, I'm going to shift to the side. I'm going to set aside a sacrifice. I'm going to nourish that sacrifice. I'm going to make that sacrifice better. And I'm going to call them out at the time when I have of need of them. But for right now, while you're in your cave, while you're set aside, while you out there are in your dark place, do know God knows where you are and he is sending provision to you (laughs) through his servant. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anyhow, if you don't believe me, read the word. Glory to God. Glory to God. And this is what I learned. Oh, his word is so, it brings so much life. I learned that it is important. It is important. I am important. It is important to be in position, to be in position, because when God's presence is removed and all turmoil is all in the air and everyone is after one another, they're cutting throats in the corporate, you don't know in administration who to trust, in that time, that is the perfect opportunity for God to show up and show out. But he needs you and you and you and me to be in position. To be in position means I've spent that time with the Lord bowing and praying and fasting and asking him and trusting him and obeying him and worshiping him. I spent that time in the Lord regardless whether someone was there to give me praise. And regardless of whether chaos was going down, I spent that time in the Lord. And that's what Obadiah did. He spent that time and he was in position that when the enemy Ahab sent them out and he said, this is a famine. I need you to go into the land and get some water so that we can feed our livestock so we don't have to kill them. Oh, my goodness. There's so much packed in that. 
The enemy will send you out and enlarge your territory so you can know the places where you can get the food and you can get the water to feed the very livestock that's going to feed you. I'm telling you right now, God has provision for us and he's using our enemies or those who oppose us so that we can strengthen and be strong. Amen. Amen. So stop. Stop. Surrender. Trust. Obey and praise. And let the Lord show up and show himself mighty upon your behalf. Glory to God. Let us go back in here. Amen. 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 Okay. 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 Um, It says (laughs) at this time, it says when God's presence was removed, remember, The young lady killed, well, the lady killed the prophets. And there was an assemblance because the other prophets were in hiding. So the land believed that God was removed. And Jezebel did that so that she could establish her kingdom. So that the only voice that they would hear was her voice and her God, which were the many gods of Baal. And so when God's presence is removed or the assemblance of it being removed from a particular person, entity, or principality, then, oh no, here we go, here we go, there we go. Come on. All right. I'm going with you. It says, when his presence is removed then a famine is destined to take place. And that famine could be when you have not worshiped the Lord and have not sought God for your issue, then there's a famine. You become hungry. You become starving for hope. And hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when you get back in that word and it comes, it's like a tree of life. Amen? Amen? So these people who did not have the prophets declaring the goodness of the Lord because good is God stretched out. So when they did not have the prophets there, then a famine set in. The people became discouraged. Now I heard a long time ago from a wise person to halt. Don't get too hungry. Don't get too angry. Don't get too lonely and don't get too tired or you are destined to sin. Amen. And so when you have that combustion of experiences and you have people who have not heard the word of God or heard the good news or been reminded that God is still on his throne and he is still bigger than every situation, then there is discouragement that sets in and then there becomes a famine. And when there's a famine, then there's bitterness, then there's doubt, and then there's breaking. There was a famine in this world. However, be not dismayed. Trust in the Lord, for he said in his word that he has never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. So I give you an on today, something for you to choose. Are you his bread? Are you his seed? Excuse me. Because if you're not his seed, the seed of Abraham, if you have not professed the Lord on today, then I can see where you're begging bread. I can see where you're worrying about where something's going to come from. I can see where you're like, oh my gosh, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. 
But for those of us who believe in the Lord, we have a commission to read his word and to know those promises for our life. All right, let I digress. Lest I digress, let me go back in here. Because we're talking about Elijah on today. But Obadiah is the forefront to um, Elijah getting access to do what God said to do. So through Obadiah, Elijah gained that access to the children of Israel and the prophets. And he said to them on Mount Camel, and that's in verse 21 of 1 Kings 18, verse 21. He said to them, Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. But the people answered not a word. I need to spend some moments right there, okay? Because there's a lot of power packed into that piece. So one, Obadiah had to go and he had to go and get all of the Israelites and all of the prophets. So there was a bit of danger that existed with him doing that. When Elijah gave him the command, when Elijah gave Obadiah the command to go and get all the people, immediately Obadiah said, what? Now the king is trying to kill you and you want me to go to him and you want all of these people to come together. And, and then if God takes you and hides you, they're going to kill me. Likewise, right? So he was like, uh-uh, I, I can't do this. We at times shake in our, our boots when we're giving what is seemingly a really hard task. But we have Obadiah on record as a witness to say that even though he believed that, he spoke it, that's how we know he believed it, he still in obedience went and gathered and cattled all of the Israelites. And it's important, the children of Israel are the Israelites. So he gathered those who were believers who were trying to be converted to Baal, who had to worship Baal. He gathered them together and then he got the prophets out of hiding. And they got them all in one place. Now I want you all to understand, for me what that said is, he got them all on one accord in unity. He got them all together. Likewise, all of us who believe in the word of the Lord, who believe in the goodness of the Lord, who believe that God is better and bigger and greater than any of the challenges in which we're facing on today that I've heard countless times that we haven't seen before. Yes, we have. Because if we have not seen this before, then Ecclesiastics would not be true that says that there is a time and a season for everything under the sun and it keeps on coming back. So we may have not seen it in this position before, but it did happen before. Amen. Ecclesiastics is a great book for you to read. Amen. 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 Elijah said, come and hear this word. How long do you falter between two opinions? If it's the Lord, believe him. If it's Baal, believe him. What he was saying in that verse 
choose you this day whom you will serve. If you're going to serve the Lord, believe God, believe him in sickness and in health, believe him in financial distress, believe him when it does not look like you are going to win. Believe him because he said in Jeremiah 9, 29, 11, he said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts that are good, not of evil to bring you to an expected end. Believe God and his prophets and so shall you be established. What that means is if you believe God and the people who declare his word rightfully, then you will be set on stable ground. I'm not saying that everything is going to be good. Do not say that Carlene quoted that. Absolutely not. But I am saying that when you go in the strength and in the word of the Lord, that your ground will be stable, that you have a rock that you can count on. Do you falter between two views? <laughs> As for me and my house, we are serving the Lord. And sometimes you have to get real personal with that thing. As for me and my house, at times could certainly just represent my hands, my mouth, and my body because I can't control my children. I can't control my husband. I can't control where I work. But as for me and my house, my temple, I choose every day to serve the Lord. I choose every day to bring him my issues. I choose every day to ask for forgiveness for those things that I've done willingly and not willingly so that when I lay down at night, if he chooses to smite me, if he chooses to have me take up the ghost, I know that I've done everything in my power to be pleasing in his sight. I pose you that question. Who do you serve? If it be the Lord, let it be him. If it be Baal, stop watching the Lord's people. Just go serve Baal. I remember my pastor saying a long time ago, and I loved him for this. He said, there's a time when God will wink at your sin. And the scripture says it very plainly, and I want you to look it up, that it says a sin in the scripture, it says a sin is he to know, to do, and does not. To him, it is sin. So he didn't sit there and go and say, if you go two paces, that's a sin. He says, he that knows to do and does not, to him, it is sin. So if you know to love the Lord and to worship him and to follow him, then do that. But if you want to worship Baal and all of the physical pleasures that's out there, because he make it look real good, tall, dark, handsome, 36, 24, a winning hand. He makes it all look good. But when you look past the physical, when you search the heart, can they show up to what the Lord Come says is Come good? On. Amen. 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 When I go to sleep at night and remove all Preach this beauty, <laughs> I'm going to tell you like this. My husband says there's a beauty that's in me that all of y'all may not see. When he tells me at night, when I know I'm not at my best, how beautiful I am. I know that. I said flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. <laughs> flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. That's the kind of love God looking at our heart. That's the kind of beauty that God says to us. 
that you could take off these pearls. You could take off these clothes. You can take off those beautiful 50,000 red bottom shoes. But when you look at your heart, will he see that you're in right standing with him? Hmm. I'll leave that for you to judge. Amen, amen, amen. Glory to your name, O God. Glory to your name, O God. But when Elijah brought that to the people, they answered him not a word. Hmm. It got quiet, y'all. When it hits the fan, when you have a choice of decision, I believe, I believe that it's time to stop. It's time to pause. And I'm grateful to know that the people didn't say a word because I'm grateful to know that that time then is just like that time now. Sometimes you just don't know what to say. And it's good. If you don't know what to say, just don't say nothing. I believe that they answered him not a word because they were still in fear. We need provisions from this king. And we saw what they did to others. I understand. I understand that you all may be struggling with that too. And there's times that I struggle with it as well. More times than not. But then I go back and I review in the word. As Elijah said, he said, we know that this scripture offered, wait, it says, we know from this scripture that fear, which is a symptom of pride, that Elijah said to the people, am I the only prophet of God here? In that moment, when he decreed that, he allowed fear to set into him because he said, am I the only one? And yet Baal has 450,000 prophets. He could feel really, really small in that sight. You may be asking at a time when you're faced with a big financial challenge. Am I the only one seeing this, God? I got all of these people coming after me, and it's just me. I don't know how to get out of this situation. Am I the only one? Or you may be struggling trying to read God's word and understand it and say, I I don't know what to do. You may be struggling with being tempted by the seemingly pleasures of outside. And you might say, well, I don't really have sex, drugs, and rock and roll as my device. Well, that device may be that you're overly, uh, overly compensating for an issue or you're continually to beautify your physical outward without putting God's word more and more into your psyche and into your heart. It could be that you're yearning for the attention and affection for someone, and that's not what God has for you. Baal, B-A-A-L gods, come in a lot of little G-O-Ds. And I'm saying to you on today, during this time of COVID, during this time of separation and reintegration, that God wants us to check ourselves. He wants us to really establish what side are we standing on. He wants us to acknowledge him in all of our ways. He wants us to say, you know what? I'm drawing the line in the sand right now. It's no more anything goes. As for me and my house, I let them know. I don't care that you can watch it. In this house, it doesn't happen because I'm not allowing that spirit to come and affect our household. I don't care what everyone else is doing. 
because we are sanctified and set aside for God's use. It's unpopular to say that in your household. It's unpopular, but it's right. We have become a community that is allowing the world to dictate what our children do. And I'm saying today, standing flat-footed to say God is not pleased and he wants us to put him back on his throne. He wants us to teach our children to decree his word and to rely upon him now, today, tomorrow, and into the future. Back to his scripture. The prophet Elijah said this. He said, am I the only one? But then he recognized in there, he was like, you know what? He rebound really fast, like some of us can do. We can rebound from us putting out a word of, of issue or of challenge. He rebound. <laughs> and he said, you know what? God, I'm going to ask you to perform a few miracles because they're not going to just believe my word. They need you to show them how good and great you are. And if you read on further in 1 Kings 19, it'll tell you some of those miracles. It'll tell you what Elijah asked God to do and how he um, allowed it to rain and how he allowed this. And it'll tell you that. I want you to read that for yourself. But for the crooks of this passage on today, what I want us to learn that it was remarkable to me that after Elijah hearing all of those miracles and after he saw, the, after the people saw God consume with fire some things, they bowed down and worshiped him. But after Elijah went in the strength of the Lord and says, seize all of Baal, destroy them, let nothing stand. Because there's going to come a time where you'll do that. You're going to say, you know what? I'm making a declarative statement. I'm done smoking. I'm not sleeping with him or her no more. I'm going to just go on a consecration with the Lord. You know what, God? I believe your word and I'm not going to do it anymore. That was what it represented when Eliza said, go and get all of Baal and kill them. Leave nothing left. That's that declarative statement. But then... We further see, and it was remarkable for me to learn, that after the Lord stood by him, after he declared all of these greatness, that not too long after when he got opposition, his true character at that moment came out and fear, fear came into his presence. So it was very sobering to me as I bring to you all, that there are times when we can be really high in the Lord and he's doing some miraculous things. And people are all around us and it feels good and perfect in the Lord. And then we are knocked off our feet when there's an opposing view that comes our way. Uh, it's remarkable to learn that after the Lord showed himself mighty on behalf of Elijah, that all it took was one word 
for Jezebel to say, I'm going to kill you <laughs> tomorrow for Elijah to pack up his stuff and run. I'm telling you all on today, as the Lord said to me, be careful what you put into your sight. Be mindful Amen. of what you allow your spirit to hear. Yes. And be diligent yes. at what you do and who you allow to see you when you're in your place of disposition. Amen. We learned here. We learned in this. And I'm going to bring this to close. Uh, that those in leadership, they often have a servant that gets to see the good part. Elijah, when he got that word, it, it kind of brought him to his knees because he had already went through some battles within his mind just to get to that place. But his servant who was there didn't necessarily know those battles that he went through. And so when Jezebel spoke the word which confirmed something that was already in his spirit, he ran like us. He passed it off. He was like, I'm out of here. This is too great. I don't want to handle this. I, I can't. But his servant, he went with Elijah to Beersheba, which was in Judah. And we all know, and if you don't know, read your word, but Judah means praise. So the fact that Elijah took his servant and left him in Judah tells me that leadership can often leave their servants at a point of praise. And then that servant may never know how to handle adversity. So servants who have leaders who allow them in or who have the privilege to see that area of exposure for the leader and you're able to learn from that leader and grow from that leader, you are in a very privileged place. But I would imagine, and the servant is unnamed in this passage, I would imagine that that servant had many, many questions. He had questions like, well, good grief. God did all of these miracles. <laughs> Why are we running? The lady wasn't even in his presence. She sent a messenger. So the messenger of Satan can often come to tell you something that is totally different from the Lord and what he has said. Are we allowing that messenger to shake us off our feet? Are we allowing that messenger to have someone who has witnessed us being in praise and having miracles now see us flee? Remember, how long will you be caught between faltering opinions? Elijah allowed that servant to be left in praise. I encourage you all on today as leaders, as I, to remember in your vulnerability, I know it's important to run. I know it's important to get by yourself. But I also know that in the succession planning so that our children know what to expect in our next generation, that we allow them the opportunity to see those signs of vulnerability. That we give them the tools that they're able to be able to work through those challenges. Yes, yes, yes. That they don't think that you lay down a blunder and wake up a wonder. That they understand there's a remnant that understands that it's a process. It's a process. Yes. So that servant, I don't know if he ever got a chance to see 
the greatness in which Elijah was able to achieve. I don't know if that servant was able to receive the blessings that Elijah had, but I do know that Elijah left that servant in Beersheba in a space of praise, but at the same time, at a space of wonder. So I ask you all on today, who's your Elijah? Who is leading you? Who is exposing you? Who is letting you know that God is with you right where you are? That concludes the message on today. Um, Our servant Elijah, during his time of strength, he had to go on his personal journey after that strength period into a place where he had to learn humility. And on the next occasion, if the Lord says the same, we'll go into that place of humility in <coughs> First <week>. Kings. <laughs> and we'll go into learning about the juniper tree, which is absolutely Woo! an amazing space. Amen, 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 amen. Praise you, Lord. Glory to your yes, name, yes, O oh God. Yes. Um, There was a song that says he's turning around for me. Amen. Just like Elijah said, just like Elijah did, is something that I learned. Oh, the time has forepassed. Oh, I'm so, oh my gosh, my heart is so full and it's 1156. Um, And I don't want to make you happy twice. Happy to see me come and tickle to death to see me go. (laughs) But I want you all to know that, um, He's turning around for me, around for me, around for me, around for me. It's turning around for me. I can see the darkness from day. God is making a way If I just stand and believe God will stand there for me Cause there's no reason to doubt I know he's working it out It's turning around for me And just like Elijah In his time, God will turn it around for you and you and you just as he is turning it around for me. That concludes the word on today. Um, I thank you all for taking part of that particular um, experience. And I just ask you to take a stand during this time frame and make sure that you have a declarative position of who you are serving even right now.